Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello. Arizona calling and oh, in the last 10 days, I have covered a lot of miles, more than a thousand to be precise. And yet I've barely left the state of Arizona. I always forget how big this place actually is. First up, as I told you last time we spoke, I drove the 230 odd miles each way to take my dad to the Grand Canyon. Now, last time he was here, as you might remember, more than two years ago, we'd headed south to Tucson and Tombstone and Bisbee and explored that really wild side of the old wild west. But last week, we set off early doors and jumped on the I-17, the Interstate 17, and drove north through the desert, climbing a few thousand feet above sea level until we hit the pine trees and snow-covered mountains of Flagstaff, then onto Route 66 and Williams, known as the gateway to the Grand Canyon, a one-street town nestled in the Kaibab National Forest at an elevation of more than 6,700 feet. Blooming cold up there. One of the things Williams boasts is that it has four-season weather. So, yes, actually cold in winter, mild in spring, as opposed to Phoenix, which has been about 28 degrees for the last fortnight, (laughs) despite being February. Madness. Side note, though, I'm fine with that. We ate lunch in the Route 66 diner in a booth near the counter served by a very nice lady called Laurie. And then we drove another hour north to the south rim of the GC. Now, at the entrance to the Grand Canyon National Park, we bought our ticket from a ranger who excitedly asked us where we were visiting from. Manchester, said my dad. Phoenix, I replied. Oh, he said. So you live here? That's a shame. I was hoping you'd take me back to England with you. I'd move there tomorrow if I could. (laughs) You're a ranger. In the Grand Canyon, I said, a literal wonder of the world. Oh, but I'd rather be in England, he said. So, you know, if you're listening to this in England and you fancy doing a life swap with a park ranger in the Grand Canyon, I'll drop him a line. Now, I've banged on about the Grand Canyon before. We were lucky enough to visit last year, of course, but nothing really prepares you for seeing it for the very first time. No amount of TV shows or books or movies, nothing. It really does take your breath away. And so having waited nearly 79 years to see it, I wanted to give my dad the full experience. It's about a two-minute walk from the car park up to the edge of the South Rim. And although it took my dad quite a lot longer as he was still recovering from his surgery, I made him look down at the ground the whole way. (laughs) As we got to the edge, I told him to close his eyes, lift his head up, then open his eyes. And well, this is what happened. Okay, open your eyes. Oh my God. My God, look at that! Oh, I can't believe it! put that video on social media for you at Walker Sam on Twitter, Sam Walker Radio on Instagram and on facebook.com slash see you in the desert. His face is a picture. 
It was freezing at the canyon the day we went, but we spent an hour or so walking around, soaking in the awesomeness. Is that a word? I think we both know it's not a word, right? Actually, I just looked it up. Yes, it is a word. So we soaked in the awesomeness of the landscape and found out loads more amazing facts, like when you stand at the edge of the south rim of the Grand Canyon and look across to the other side, you're looking across a 10-mile gap. 10 miles! Plus, the north rim is over a 1,000 feet higher than the South Rim, more than an extra thousand feet above sea level. It's extraordinary. Seriously, though, it is impossible to take in or capture on film. So I really, really hope you can see it one day. A few days later, we took the children out of school and drove to Vegas. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you heard that right. We took our girls out of education and took them to Las Vegas with their granddad. Now, this either makes us the worst parents in the world all the best. And frankly, it is what it is. And I shan't be taking questions on this. The drive to Vegas is about four and a half hours from Phoenix. So just a nip up the road for locals. And it's actually a really lovely drive, much more visually stimulating than the trip to LA or even to San Diego. Because again, nature is on her best, most show-offy behaviour. As you drive out through the Sonoran Desert on Arizona Route 60, the first town you hit after an hour or so is Wickenburg. Town motto, horses, hats, history and hospitality. Wickenburg brings out the cowboy in everyone. As we drove through, we did actually see a cattle auction and rodeo taking place. It was great. If you're around next week, Wickenburg has its annual cowgirl Cadillacs horse auction. Tagline, horses from ladies for ladies. (laughs) The history of Western America is a tapestry of tales of bravado and bravery by men whose names would long outlive them, says the website. But just as vital to the creation of what we wistfully term the winning of the West were the women who defied societal norms and relinquished physical comforts to give a woman's touch to the new expanses of America. It is with deep admiration and a tip of the hat to those remarkable women we present Cowgirl Cadillacs. Every horse here is offered by a woman who strives every day to live up to the example set by those early female trailblazers. So the horse sale starts next Saturday at two o'clock until all the horses are gone. That's what it says. Is this an hour or ten? I don't know. But I really want to go. <laughs> I really want to go. And I really want to buy a horse. I must not go and buy a horse. I don't think they live well in back gardens, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how strong my willpower is. More on Wickenburg in another episode, as it is a town with a rich history of its own. But we drove on through the Tres Alamos wilderness, past the Vulture Mountains on Route 93, through Wickiup, population 305, past the Snoopy Rocket, on towards Kingman. Yes, I did say Snoopy Rocket, because really bizarrely, Wickiup, population 305, features a sculpture, for want of a better word. I mean, sculpture's pushing it, quite frankly, but I'm not sure what else to call it. A sculpture of Snoopy and Woodstock and a couple of the other Peanuts characters sitting on a rocket which is essentially a painted telephone pole with a kind of nose cone and tail fins on it, 
and this is on the side of the road. It's really, I don't even know what the word is, but there you go. The Snoopy rocket of WikiUp. It's in the middle of a desert. It's just very strange. We drove on into the Mojave Desert to Kingman, the largest town in northern Arizona, where about 30,000 people live. It's named after the engineer Lewis Kingman. And for many years, it was a really, really important railway hub. You can still catch daily trains at the Amtrak station there to L.A. in one direction and Chicago in the other. And it's weird to catch a glimpse of a train after so long because no passenger trains run through Phoenix at all. An urban area of about three million people. But nope, you can't get on a train. I haven't been on one for years. Again, lots more to say about Kingman and its history on another episode, but it had a very different feel to Phoenix. Driving off the main road into the town to have some lunch, every car is greeted with a huge billboard reading, Let's Go Brandon, which you will remember from previous episodes is an anti-President Biden slogan, very popular amongst some pro-Trump Americans right now. Another little side note. We were served at a little diner in Kingman by a woman whose mother was from Ipswich. I know, small world. But we pushed on north, crossing into Nevada for the last part of our journey, excited to see the flash of blue from the Colorado River as it snaked its way through the rocky landscape flowing towards California after passing through Lake Mead and the Hoover Dam. I'd visited the Hoover Dam when on holiday in the States when I was nine years old and I haven't been back since. We were in a rush to gamble away the children's college fund in Vegas. Only joking, they don't have a college fund. So we didn't stop this time either, but we shall return. The Hoover Dam, if you're old enough to remember, featured in the first Christopher Reeve Superman film. It breached after succumbing to an earthquake caused by missiles launched by Lex Luthor. What a great film. But Superman created a new dam with rocks from the Mojave Desert and saved the day. Hooray. Arriving in Vegas via road, at least when you're driving in from Phoenix, is a really bizarre experience because you are literally in the middle of a desert, surrounded by rocks and mountains. Looking down at your sat-nav or your GPS and thinking, how on earth is there a city with a population of more than 600,000 people just 10 minutes away? <laughs> you, know, you see the counting down and going, where is it? Then the road winds between two more enormous mountains. And as you come out of the other side, boom, there it is. A huge sprawling mass of buildings and freeways and flashing lights. Vegas. It still amuses me that Las Vegas means the meadows, when frankly there's barely a blade of grass in sight. Vegas, you know, I've talked about this before, is such a unique place. It is exhausting to be there. It's kind of a sensory overload. I still can't quite believe it when I see blackjack tables rammed with punters eagerly spending their money at 10 o'clock in the morning, or slot machines flashing and pinging away just after breakfast. I remember one particular moment of walking past a roulette table where a man had stacks and stacks of chips covering 99% of the roulette board. Goodness knows how many thousands of dollars were on that table. And guess what? The ball landed on one of the few slots he hadn't got chips on. The memory of his face dropping as the croupier pulled every single last chip into the bin was, pfft, well, that'll stay with me. 
And everything is just so far away in Vegas. It takes ages to get from one side of a hotel to another. We booked a table at an Italian restaurant in the Venetian, the enormous Venice-themed hotel opposite where we were staying at the Mirage. Despite being just opposite the hotel, it took us 45 minutes to walk there. It's just madness. Like so many hotels in Vegas, the Venetian is really reminiscent of the Trafford Centre or other themed shopping centres in other large towns or cities. It's kind of full of weird, fake sky blue ceilings, lots of facades of historical Italian buildings. It's bonkers. You can actually take a gondola ride through the shopping centre slash hotel, complete with gondoliers in traditional dress and singing, Oh, sole mio. It's really bizarre. I know a lot of people hate Vegas. They hate its obsession with excess and the fact that everything is fake. Fake sky, fake grass, fake Egyptian pyramids and Statues of Liberty and Eiffel Towers. But I think if you just accept, none of this is real. It's not even really trying to be real. And you just take it for what it is. Then it just becomes fascinating. We had one luscious, lazy day by the pool and attempted to gamble a couple of times, pressing random buttons and managing to win a few dollars by complete and utter chance. But we won't be retiring to our desert ranch hideaway just yet. The main reason for our trip and the main reason we stayed at the Mirage was to take my dad for his last two birthday and Christmas presents combined to see the Beatles show. From the moment Dave and I had seen it last year, we'd known that we wanted to take him and the girls. And, oh, it was just the best. It was everything we'd hoped for and more. When my teenager burst into tears within the first two minutes, we knew everyone would love it as much as we did. When you told me it had made you cry, I just thought you were overreacting, she told me afterwards. Me? Dramatic? (gasps) Never. Unbelievably, there are now just a few days to go until we're back to a family of four. But what a few weeks it's been. And before my dad heads back home, we've a couple more little treats up our sleeve. I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 